Smith from Flynn Broadcasting in Memphis, Tennessee. It's time for Cerrito Live. Here's your host, Kevin Cerrito. We are live from Hyattown, Mount Moriah, here at Flynn Broadcasting for our final show uh, before Christmas. We will be off uh, next week for Christmas break, but we are here today with two action-packed hours of radio coming your way. Wrestling time will be at 11 this first hour, uh, around 1030. Holly Whitfield, who has been on this show almost every week this fall, helping me review Bluff City Law is back for her final appearance of 2019, and we will recap uh, the year here in Memphis. It's an annual tradition on this uh, radio program to take a look back uh, at the year and uh, the highlights of what it uh, was like to be a Memphian uh, over the past 365 days. Of course, we're not to that point yet. I don't know what number we're at, but we will look back at the year 2019 coming up at 1030. So if there's a big memory uh, that you have, uh, of the year, uh, something you think you is the Old Town Road. What is the Memphis version of Old Town Road uh, to you? Uh, let us know. You can tweet me at Sarita. You can tweet Holly at I Love Memphis. We'll talk about that at 1030 today. Oh, yeah. Quick note for the re- during wrestling time at, at 11, we will be giving away uh, tickets to SmackDown again. We do have uh, SmackDown on Fox tickets that we'll be giving away uh, during that hour. So you want to make sure uh, you tune in live. You can win those live. But we start every show with Local 24 sports reporter and anchor. She's the co-host of the Still Not Married podcast. She is Jessica Benson, and she joins me now. Ladies and gentlemen, it's my pleasure to introduce to you. He's a friend of mine. Yes, yes, I am. And he goes by the name. <laughs> Good morning, Jessica. Good morning. How are you? I'm doing fantastic today. Fantastic. It is, it is a great sports day. I love how you're being very equal opportunity to all the sports. I saw your tweet the other day listing all the activity happening today. It, it, there's one thing happening today, in my opinion. That's happening when it tips off at 2 o'clock, uh, Memphis versus the University of Tennessee uh, yeah. basketball game. The rest game. of it is kind of like a nice addition to really round out a just overall busy sports day in Memphis. But the one game on everyone's schedules is, of course, Memphis-Tennessee. Right. That is the game at, at the top of the marquee. That is the main event, and it's happening in the middle of the day. But I uh, can't wait to watch that. Uh, later on this afternoon. But every week we do take a moment to, to look back about what we remember from the week in Memphis sports. We're going to get to that, I promise. We're going to talk sports because there's huge stories to talk about, but we have to talk about uh, maybe the most anticipated sequel in my social media timeline occurred this week, and that was Jessica and Chris do Disney in 24 <laughs> hours, part two. You part got, two. You uh, went back to Orlando for, you did all the Disney parks in one day again. You were successful. We did, and we actually, okay, so for people who maybe weren't involved in Jess and Chris Take Disney Part 1, last year we decided to do a one-day-to-Disney-World trip where we were going to hit all four parks. I had a very detailed schedule of, like, the three to four biggest rides in each park. We knocked them out quick. We moved on. It was great. We succeeded. We were exhausted. And so we went into this show. We decided to do it again. Chris's grandma lives in outside of the Orlando area. And so he wanted to go see her. We tacked on the Disney day and we went in trying to be like super cool and just like very chill. And we ended up going to all four parks anyway. (laughs) So we weren't exactly, but it was a much more relaxed approach. I will say for anyone who is planning a trip to Disney in the near and dear future, uh, that Star Wars Rise of the Resistance ride just opened. And some people, I guess it's made people cry. It's so good. I'm not going to go that far, but some people say it's the best ride they've ever ridden. Ridden. Wow, I just made up a word. Ever rode. Um, you have to get to the park. People are getting to the park at like 4.45 in the morning because even though the park hours are listed as opening at 8, 
The park has been unofficially opening at 6.30. Thanks to Twitter, I was able to like do this investigation. I realized if you're not on Twitter now and you're going to Disney World, um, <laughs> well, good luck because all of the news happens on Twitter. So I can't really imagine uh, what, what that would be like. But we found out that we needed to get there like bare minimum at 7 in the morning. Chris landed at 1 a.m. So we got a cool like five hours of sleep. And we got there at 7. And they're doing this new thing called virtual queuing where – you enter the park and you get a boarding number via the app. So, again, if you don't have a smartphone, you also apparently can't go to Disney World anymore. But we got boarding group number like 45 or 47, I think, and we entered the park at 7 a.m. Again, park not supposed to really open until 8 a.m. But because we were there at 7, we were able to knock out all four big Hollywood Studios rides, like Tower of Terror, Rock and Roller Coaster, the Toy Story rides, in like 30 minutes. It was it was insane. Like we were at our second park before the second park officially opened. Oh, so that was you know our, our key to getting some stuff done quickly. Now, what but that Rise of the Resistance thing kind of throws things for a loop. Well, what people don't know is you're still on the Rise of the Resistance ride right now, right? Like you're currently <laughs> yes, still yes, there. It has it I, stopped I halfway stuck through on it <laughs> for for days and days and yeah, we I mean we got stuck. We got escorted off the ride we were like 20 seconds away from the very end so i feel like i can give it a somewhat honest review oh so you never it. got to finish it no we didn't get to finish it because oh, they wow. gave fast pass they gave you a fast pass to come back and do it again but even with a fast pass you were waiting like an hour and because there had been so many technical difficulties and it was breaking down constantly we were there on a pretty rough day for it it hasn't i think to this day it has not had a day where it's run uh, a hundred percent of the time, which very few Disney rides do, but it's kind of operating at like a seventy percent rate right now. I guess. Did, did you um, get? Any, did they do anything for you? How long were you stuck on the? How long were you? You're no longer on the attraction, obviously, because you were able to get to the no. other parts. But, <laughs> but how, we, uh, how long were you stuck there? So we ended up. We were in line for about, and the whole idea with this like virtual queuing thing is so that you don't have to wait in an absurdly long line. But we still ended up waiting probably about two hours. They brought us snacks. They brought chips and carrots and apples, and that was, like, the first round of snacks. And then about a half hour later, they brought out some really fancy Christmas, car- like, peppermint caramel corn. And that's when I realized, oh, they're really trying to make us not understand that we've been waiting here for two hours. And then once we, like, started the, – the ride is an- – it's an 18-minute ride. Oh, wow. And it's-, it's immersive, and so there's, like, characters in it, and you're essentially playing a part in this mission – I, I'm a terrible, I don't, I'm not a Star Wars person, so I can't really say specifically what it is, but, <laughs> uh, and that is always very funny because I went to film right. school and I have not seen Star Wars. Um, but some catching up to do. The new movie comes yeah, out next Friday. Yeah, I, I'll probably still see it. I just won't really understand it, but maybe I'll understand it more now that I have experienced this ride because I feel like I can't give it a total, uh, like look over because we got stopped throughout the ride continuously, mm-hmm. too, so it kind of broke things up. So I, we didn't have an organic Rise of the Resistance experience like some people did. But if you're a Star Wars fan, I can see how you would just go absolutely insane over it. So I, I'm looking forward to seeing, like, Disney. It's been a while since Disney. I, I love going to Disney parks as well. But they've, that they've had an attraction that you could describe the way that you described it, which would be, like, uh, that it is – is so different than anything we've seen before. Because usually Disney stuff is all like it's carbon copy of things we've seen for decades. So yeah. It's and universal like, making the cool new rides. But now this is supposed to be something uh, unique. Right. And I think so what they kind of blended from what – you have a lot of time to talk to people when you're standing in line for a ride for two hours. <laughs> um, and what we kind of like gathered from other people is that they took a lot of elements from – Disney also opened that Avatar ride last year. Or I guess it was like a year and a half ago now. Mm-hmm. And that was considered really groundbreaking. And then Universal came back and launched the the Hagrid Harry Potter roller coaster. And so people are saying this is kind of like a hybrid of those two. And my thing is, like, I just love a good old-fashioned roller coaster. Not old-fashioned. I love a crazy roller coaster. Mm-hmm. And all these rides that are now, uh, like, simulators, uh, I just don't like them as much. They don't get me as excited as something that is physically moving. So, it depend, like the Harry Potter roller coaster slash virtual reality experience when you're going through uh, the bank or whatever. Yeah, yeah, Gringotts. That's, yeah. Yes, that Gringotts, exactly. I like that. I thought that was fun. Uh, yeah. 
Somebody got so anyway, stuck on that was, when I was, was waiting great. on. Anyway, yeah, we're, we're breaking it was, down Disney parks. It was Disney surprisingly parks. very crowded for a Tuesday in December, but it is December and the holidays are always you, a little bit extra crazy. But we you, did we we did twelve rides, and the year before we did thirteen, so we were one short. Oh, so now you have like a record to beat. You're going for fourteen, but like yeah. you put in the one ride that you had to wait two hours and, and breaking and more down. Than on. That, like we had to get there early. We had to we had to do so much park hopping. Did which you is hop? like forty five minutes every time you go back and forth? Did you hop on the Disney Skyliner? Because that would probably break down as well, from what I've read. Yeah. The new Skyliner. <laughs> we wanted to actually, but we weren't able to because we never, we weren't very. It's not that we weren't smart, but it just didn't fit into our day going from Hollywood Studios to Epcot, which is the easiest two parks to hop. So naturally, we had to do the bus system pretty much all day until we ended up. Our last park was Epcot. We ate in Japan. I hadn't like had a meal on the World Showcase since I was a very small child. And we did a hibachi dinner at Disney style, and it was very expensive, but it was very fun. <laughs> the Disney hibachi—they make the rice into like little Mickey patties. It was yeah. cute. That new Skyliner there in Disney. Of course, you travel if you go to Disney. You travel on the monorail between the parks, uh, or you can you know travel from the on that boat right from the parking lot to the to the Magic Kingdom. Mm-hmm. But now they've got the Skyliner, which. Uh, it's now the most terrifying ride to me, probably. Disney parks. <laughs> I hate, I, I'm with you. I hate those. Things. I don't like, they remind me. Yeah. I don't even like gondolas when, um, like on ski trips. I would always, I don't like chairlifts either, but I would pick a chairlift over a gondola because they just freak me out being in those little like pods flying through the air. And the fact that that's been, it had issues when it first opened. People were stuck yeah. on there for hours and hours and they ended up getting like compensated with multiple day passes and hundreds of dollars worth of Disney yeah. merch cards and stuff. But like uh, the, the nightmares that they'll have for the rest of their lives. After that. <laughs> Being stranded in the sky. I will say, I do think that if they could get that Skyliner to work like a hundred percent, obviously nothing's ever a hundred percent, but they really have to figure out a way to connect uh, the, the parks to animal kingdom and to magic. Like, you should have a one way easy trip between magic kingdom and Hollywood studios and animal kingdom some way, somehow, because the monorail is so easy. So like Magic Kingdom to Epcot is simple, but the rest of it, it's like 2019. I think Walt would have wanted there to be a more consumer friendly way hop between parks at this part and it seems like they're 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 for people like you who want to go to all four in one day i i, I don't know if I, I haven't bragged to you about this before but i've went to every california park all in one day like very recently the <laughs> what the two the two yeah you just walk right yeah. between yeah. you just <laughs> walk right easy. there well i went to school in la so like the california ones are such a that's what i'm so used to and they, those are so easy you can easily hit both of those and i think that's one of the big back bonuses and forth. about going yeah. to that one because you can get fast passes and now question for you when did you go i just went uh, last year 2018 so do they have the fast passes on the app now there yes yeah, so you can and you can of course look at the line weights and stuff i think it's on the apps i'm try, trying to remember if it was on that either way i was using my phone a lot to figure out okay well let's just go back to the other park and get in line for this and we're at yeah. guardians of the galaxy because we know it's not going to be that long of a wait but i'll tell you the most terrifying ride to me in all disney parks is there at california adventures the uh the, the ferris wheel the mickey ferris oh wheel. my gosh it's the worst ride on planet earth <laughs> i'm so glad to hear you say that it's so scary and you can't describe it to people it's hard to describe but that ferris wheel where like your cart moves and swings my dad puked on that ride when i was a kid and i've never forgotten it oh well because y'all are but you, there's two different lines where you can get in the non-moving and then you get in the moving one but like yeah, you're in but line like, you're like who waits in line for a ferris wheel at disneyland right and like the, it's like the kid like oh that's for the kids you have no yeah. idea till you get on this ride and you, everybody should at least ride it once so you can experience it but it is the scariest <laughs> ride in all of disney parks let's talk about sports here we go cool. yeah, congratulations right. on your accomplishment uh <laughs> Thank there you. that's a sport in itself the sport of it really is. It, it really is. It really is. They, we uh, like to talk about what we remember from the week in Memphis sports. We're just hours away from Memphis versus the University of Tennessee. We're off next week, so we're not going to be able to talk about the results of uh, that game. We're off for Christmas next Saturday because I'm sure it's what we're going to remember. Is something going to happen? Should, should I an- anticipate something happening in today's game uh, between the coaches? No, I really don't think so. Um, Penny spoke on Thursday leading up to this game, and he was really 
like demure considering how things escalated so much last season. And I think he's really going for the idea of letting his coaching and his team do the talking in Knoxville. Uh, I've been seeing a lot of fans who, who seem pretty realistic, I guess. I hate to even say realistic because Memphis is, you know, the 13th ranked team in the country and Tennessee is the 19th ranked team in the country. And Knoxville's a really hard place to play, but I've seen a lot of people be like, Oh, as long as it's like, you know, not a 20 point blowout, I'll be happy with today's result, which I think is very big of Memphis fans, uh, especially considering that the Tigers are still without James Wiseman and Lester Quinones. Um, So we'll see. I'm really intrigued by this game and what Memphis can do. They've had, you know, last weekend after we spoke, they went and almost lost to UAB. They were down 20 points and they came back and found a way to win that game. So thus far, when they've had these slow starts, they've been able to, you know, put something together and make runs down the stretch to get the win, and they still have yet to lose a game since they lost James Wiseman for this period of time. Uh, but a team like Tennessee is obviously not a team that you can get a slow start, and especially on the road in such a hostile environment. But back to Penny, I mean, I thought Alex Lomax had a great quote just saying how these are the kind of games that, that Penny has always been up for he always likes the most challenging games the most because it is a test of what he can do as a coach and, and this notion still from some people that Penny Hardaway you know he's a great recruiter but can he coach uh days like this are where he's able to prove yes he can even though I would you know venture to say and, and Alex said this too the last four games the Tigers have played I think have shown a pretty good indication of how Penny can coach but I don't think we will have Unless, like, Rick Barnes comes out just, like, popping off shots and Penny feels the need to defend his team. That's what he kind of categorized everything as last year was, you know, he felt like his guys were being attacked and he's always going to be a player-first defendant. That's one of his biggest attributes as a head coach. So he wasn't going to just let his guys down. But barring anything crazy, I think it's going to kind of be, I don't know, not not a letdown because – you you don't need all the extra flair, but in terms of the show, I think it's going to be a much different style of, of dramatics that we saw last season. Well, because they went they went all in last time, and we, we they went we... all in <laughs> bald fist, Kevin. Yeah, so that I mean that was uh, that game is at two o'clock today. It's still going to be a great game. It's uh, two teams have only lost once. Memphis ranked higher uh, than Tennessee right now, which of course is something you can say uh, quite often uh, if you're a Memphis fan. But they're thirteen, uh, Tennessee nineteen going into this game, seven one for the Vols and eight one for the Tigers. It should be good. I mean, it's a rivalry game uh, for sure, and maybe the last time we see it for a while, right? So yeah, and you know from what Rick Barnes has the comments that he's made. It doesn't seem like it's at the top of their priority list to to keep it going, and it might not benefit Tennessee in the way that it benefits Memphis to play Tennessee. So we'll see. In the meantime, it's fun. It gives a again like a headliner of a game for a Saturday afternoon in December. Right. Uh, I'm talking with Jessica Business. She joins us every week to talk about what we remember from the week in Memphis sports. We'll spend a second here previewing what we remember from this afternoon, but let's talk about the past week. You talked about the UAB game and and uh, the, the against the Tigers. That is one game that I think more Memphis fans uh, watched from their apps on their phones than any other game uh, that's going to happen this season because it was going on the exact same time as the championship game last Saturday. Uh, Mike Norvell, what ended up being Mike Norvell's last game. Just think, this time last week, Mike Norvell was still the head coach of the University of Memphis Tigers. We didn't know if they were going to the Cotton Bowl. Now we have a new coach. They're going to the Cotton Bowl. They're playing. Uh, Memphis is going to be playing Penn State. It's a New Year's Six game, but it's being played uh, quite a few days before New Year's Day on the 28th. That Saturday, this is paired with the the playoff games. Uh, whoa, lots to unpack here. And of course, not only that, <laughs> do you have any? What are your What are your thoughts on all of it? It's so much. It was so exciting watching that game last Saturday. Memphis football. Uh, Mike Norvell leaving uh, at 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 the peak, right? Like you cannot do any better than he did. Uh, you could have had an undefeated season, but he'd still be going to the exact same bowl game, right? If he had an yeah, undefeated the same season. Trophy. Would right. have been in the hands at the end of. Uh, first of all, you know that like Titanic gif of it's been 84 years. Mm-hmm. That's how this past week has felt covering Memphis sports. It's been exhausting, um, but we kind of all it all came to 
ahead yesterday with the announcement that Ryan Silverfield has been promoted from interim coach and deputy head coach as he served this this whole season um, and is now the new head coach at the University of Memphis, which, you know, for in seven days, his life has, has changed, but he certainly has been setting himself up for this opportunity all the way through. He's, he was Mike Norvell's highest, you know, ranked assistant. And now he was the only one there for all four years. And that loyalty has, has paid off. And what I'm going to remember from this week, I mean, yes, of course, I'll remember the AAC championship trophy and ceremony and Mike Norvell leaving this program in, you know, the high, at the highest of heights that it's been. Um, and that whole day was wonderful. But Brian Silverfield's press conference yesterday was just so refreshing from a standpoint of someone who covers a football team. And, like, any time a coach gets a, a job, and especially a first-time head coach in college football gets a job, there is this sense of emotion and gratitude. And, you know, it's, it's just what it is. Like, dreams come true, and they say that. But with Ryan Silverfield, like, his dream job had morphed into Memphis, and he got his dream job yesterday. And his emotions that he showed throughout, you know, addressing the media, and, and there's the video of him going into that team meeting yesterday that's on social media um, and then finding out that he officially is their head coach and their reaction, the player's reaction to having a guy that they know that they supported move into the head coaching job. Like you just can't, you can't get anything better than that. Like, yes, there's a conversation for another day of will Ryan Silverfield be successful as the head coach at the university of Memphis. That is a question that every single coach gets when they take a new job. I just saw someone on Twitter this morning is having a conversation. Will Mike Norvell be successful? Will Mike <laughs> Norvell be able to take down Dabo Sweeney in the ACC at some point in his tenure at Florida State? So those conversations have started to happen for him as he's moved into his new job. But right now with Ryan Silverfield, there's just a celebration. And there was such a sense of joy from, you know, you talk about winning the press conference. Well, Memphis won the press conference yesterday. And, you know, that doesn't measure wins, that doesn't measure championships, and that certainly isn't always an indicator of what's to come for a program. But it at least gave a sense of continuity for a program that's currently operating at the highest level it's ever operated at. It's going to the Cotton Bowl. It gives these players a coach to play for in the Cotton Bowl, someone who they know is behind them and will continue to be behind them and by their side next season as their head coach. And if you're a player... I think Gabe can probably speak on it, but like you want to get up for that guy and you want to go out and give him a, a solid debut as his first game as head coach of the Memphis Tigers is the biggest game the Memphis Tigers have ever played in program history, a Cotton Bowl matchup against Penn State in a New Year's Six Bowl. Right. Um, but bottom line is I'll, I'll just never forget like the look on Ryan Silverfield's face and probably ever in my life because it was just so, so honest. And, you know, being himself got him this job. He, you know, he was a candidate certainly this time last week when everything started to develop. But then he had his first press conference last Sunday where he made the bold statement saying things like, you know, that it was his dream job right. and this is the place he wants to be for 20 years. And coaches say that kind of stuff all the time. But sometimes it sounds hollow. And for whatever reason, when Ryan Silverfield says it, it, it rings with a pretty solid sense of truth and i don't think people should hold him responsible to staying here for the rest of his life he said it though <laughs> some, he did say it and people will bring it back up forever and always yeah um but i do think you know this is a place that he is seriously considering spending the rest of his right. life and he made comments like yesterday you know he's going to be the head coach at the university of memphis until they drag him out of there and for your head coach to be making those kind of statements in 2019 where the coaching world is honestly a, a constant revolving door and people searching for the next big opportunity, it's it's refreshing to hear someone say those words and to, you know, you, it's never going to be 100% true all the time. If Penny said pretty, it, if Penny, real. if Penny said it, we would. I would believe it. He's the only person, right? You've got to have the alum uh, be the coach, right? If he, but even, he but, that's, but even with Penny, you know, if the right NBA job came calling, I, I still think there would be some room for 
a, a potential, yeah. But yeah, I mean, he's it's got there. If 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 the coach went to the school, that is the one time that it's believable. Yeah. This guy's been in Memphis for four years, and he's been great. I mean, Gabe uh, Gabe Coon, our producer here on on, on Street Alive every week, he was Gabe's coach uh, uh, when Gabe was playing for the University of Memphis football team. Gabe, you endorsed this along with D'Angelo Williams and everybody else. Yeah, I was I was right on Twitter with him. I really think he's a he's a good guy for the job, and Jessica saw it. He's got a lot of passion when it comes to, you know, wanting to be in this position. He's wanted he's to. He's oozing charisma. There, you can win with charisma. Like he's got more charisma than Justin Fuente and Mike Norvell combined. Yeah. I'm excited about the his passion and uh, just his ability to create emotion. Right? Like he hasn't even coached the game than anything, but he's got someone. Jess- Jessica. Someone like, came up to me yeah. yesterday and was like, "We'll never have a boring press conference again," and it's true. I mean, even just. It, he gets you excited about whatever is going on on any given day. And granted, like the circumstances are so heightened right now. So there's an extra level of oomph, but man, like you get someone like that, who's the face of your program. And it just continues to be something that, that gives you an extra ability to garner attention for Memphis football. When someone like that is at the head. And, And there's a reason he's stayed. He's the only assistant that stayed here the whole time with Norvell. There was only one yep. assistant that stayed for the four years, and he was the only one. There's a reason that he stayed that long. Because he wanted the job is what it, what it was. But the uh, – okay, yeah. So this time last week, I didn't expect us to have a coach a week later. We ended our conversation. I said, I want the coach to be somebody I had never heard of because that's what Justin Fuente was. That's what Mike Norvell <laughs> was uh, to me. And they were both found by the same search committee and the same athletic director who's no longer here. And so I wasn't acting to, asking to call Bowen back up and say, hey, can you come here and help us find a coach? But I was hoping that they would look in those different directions. But I've been convinced otherwise. I have been convinced. I'm, I am on board. Let's try this. Because if you, if you really think about it, you see all these assistant coaches that have been promoted from good programs or even in the playoffs this year. A lot of those teams have coaches, head coaches that were assistants or interim coaches in the past. Coach O, shout out, and other, other coaches. But also, like, Memphis got a really good assistant from a really good team the last couple of times for decent programs, right? They went to decent programs and found their best assistant coach. Now Memphis is actually a good program. So if you're taking your own assistant coach and elevating them, eh, maybe it's not a bad idea because you're actually taking a good coach from a good program to be your head coach, which has never really been the the case uh, before for Memphis to be able to do. So I'm I'm on board with that. And also, I got to think, Jessica, I'm not going to ask you this question. I'm just going to make a statement here because I don't – look, I – you're you're on the show every week. You just happen to be a woman, so um, <laughs> I don't want to ask you the cliche. You know, oh, did you watch The Bachelor this week or anything like that? But I I've got to point this out. So I'm going to have this conversation with Gabe, Jessica. If you want to jump in, feel free. But is there another program in the country that has had two back to back better looking head coaches <laughs> than the University of Memphis? Like Gabe, they could seriously, go on The Bachelor, they could. Gabe, Gabe, I'll, seriously, I'll better better program with two back to back. Better looking coaches. Than I've Memphis. heard about Norvell, but I, is Silverfield like is I? Uh, it's Silverfield. I there might be some ladies hanging out here in studio. They're acting like you're crazy not to think that. I don't know. Maybe saw him every day for years. I'm just asking. I don't, I don't, I'm throwing. I don't the know how to judge that. There. I do not know, but it seems like you could look, look at the Arkansas coach. Google Arkansas's head coach, and you tell me. There's a slight. <laughs> Slight difference. I will say though, when as you're speaking on something from the woman perspective, something that really stood out to me in Silverfield's uh-huh. press conference yesterday was one, the way that he talked about his wife, and she was there with him yesterday, and uh-huh. it was really. I mean, coaches always thank their wives. It's just like what you have to do and what you're supposed to do. Um, but that was when one of the times he got the most emotional, and he, you know, said that just looking in his, his wife's eyes in this moment was something that was going to make him cry. And then at the end, when he was asked, you know, what defines a Ryan Silverfield program, he was listing all these things about being accountable on and off the field and academics and community service and winning games. But he also said how they treat women. And as a woman sitting in there and yesterday, I think I was the only woman sports reporter. There was a, a woman sports photographer as well um that stands out like that's something that's not said nearly enough and a lot of coaches say that they do the work behind the scenes but to say that in your opening press conference and it was just one line and it was so easy um 
but that's a really positive thing to hear from someone who's about to lead a bunch of young men through their college experiences. And I just thought that was a, a little added bonus, a little sprinkle of, I appreciate that, Ryan Silverfield. So maybe he can go on The Bachelor, but at least he is <laughs> at this point in time. He's committed. He's uh, not going on The Bachelor. Promoting a program that respects maybe? women. Yeah. And I, I know like that's mm-hmm. not what football is all about, but that's what it should shaping be. young men is about. And exactly. to yeah. have someone who's that open with it in their opening remarks, I think that just says, Little things like that throughout his press conference, I think, spoke to his character. And you never know 100% about someone. But when someone is saying things like that, it uh, it stands out and it, and it leaves a mark. Uh, I'm saying uh, he, he, may, he may or may not be attracted to anybody listening, attractive to, to, to Gabe or whoever. He may, he may not be. <laughs> But I just had to spend four years every time watching a Memphis game with my wife coming in the room be like, oh, who's that guy? He's cute when Mike Norvell's coaching. And I'm like, that's Mike Norvell. You say that every time. I always tell you who he is. That's who he is. So I just don't want to ha- spend another four years that way. That's all. But it looks like it is happening. Maybe I should be an Arkansas fan. <laughs> all right. Uh, Jessica, thanks for uh, joining me. Hopefully, hey, I know you're working tomorrow. We do have our our the, the work Christmas party tomorrow night. Hopefully you and Chris can stop by. Uh, yes, but no I'm, I'm rovering is the problem after work. I'm watching dogs. Oh, come on. <laughs> I know. This, I know. I have how many dogs, dogs you right got? now. Two. They're crazy. Oh, they're, I haven't slept in three days. Oh, no. <laughs> but they're great. They're very cute. But, yes, we will try to come down because I've always wanted to throw an axe. Yeah, oh, hitting, hitting where we're, we're going to be, revealing our location. Oh, All my right. bad. That was not, not good, not good. But you don't know. It could be anywhere. It could Who be knows? anywhere. It could be the forest. You don't yeah. know. We are going out to, yeah, we're going out to <laughs> to Overton <laughs> Park with a bunch of axes. Yeah. I'll ask Holly if that's allowed when she comes here in studio next. Jessica, thanks for joining us. Happy holidays. We will talk to you in two weeks on, on Cotton Bowl Saturday. Absolutely. I will be there, so I will try to awesome. join you guys that day. All right. Sounds awesome. That's all. Thank you very much. Thanks, Jessica. Yeah, absolutely. Happy holidays. Bye, guys. Happy holiday seasons. Greetings. We'll take a quick uh, timeout. We come back. Holly Whitfield's here in studio. We are going to look back at 2019 uh, in Memphis from sports and beyond. Big sports moments, but also other big moments. Uh, we'll talk, uh, I'm sure, Hamilton and more uh, when we come back. Steve Cohen eating Kentucky Fried Chicken. Remember when he did that earlier this year? Oh, man, we got some great stuff to look back on. It's our year recap when we get uh, return here on Cerrito Live on Sports 56, 96, 1 and 87, 7 FM. From Penny, the Tiger player. Through Penny, the Tiger coach. Well, I think the, the main game plan is we can teach you. We're going to develop you. We're going to get you better. For over 25 years, we have been real sports talk for Memphis in the Mid-South. Sports 56 and 87.7 FM. Now, back to Cerrito Live on Sports 56 and 87.7 FM. Welcome back. Thanks for making us a part of your weekend here. Uh, Let's see. We are about to recap 2019 in Memphis. Uh, But first, I do need to tell you about, speaking of 2019, if you you yourself think you know everything that happened this year, you will want to join me for our annual Cerrito Trivia Year in Review Night. 2019 Year in Review Trivia is going to be at the Memphis Made Taproom on December 26th. That's the day after Christmas. Free to play. Uh, You can go to CerritoTrivia.com for more information. We'll be at the Memphis Made Taproom where every question is about something that happened in 2019. I'm sure you can get... Uh, some answers here during this next segment. So it has been a tradition for I don't know how many years now to have Holly Whitfield from the I Love Memphis blog come here in studio and help me recap the year uh, in Memphis as we take a look back at the big moments, events, openings, all of that that happened uh, over the past year and, of course, in the year of 2019. And Holly is back once again in studio. Good morning, Holly. Good morning. Uh, are you ready to take a look back at 2019? I'm ready. I'm ready with these new fancy headsets. Yeah, we got some new technology in here uh, in, in the studio at Flynn Broadcasting. Let's, uh, yeah, let's, uh, I'm 
follow your lead a little bit here. Do you want to? Do you want to start? That's fine. Um, yeah, I've been thinking a lot about 2019 in Memphis. It was. I think we say this every year, but it was a big year. It was a big year. Well, what would would be the the biggest? What is the Old Town Road? What is oh the gosh. big thing that you're going to hear, think about down the line, and be like, that was so 20, 2019. That was so 2019 in Memphis. And I think I think Bluff City Law, maybe. Yeah, I think definitely Bluff City Law. Hopefully not, though. Because if it continues, then we won't. If there's more seasons, yeah. then we won't necessarily put it in 2019. But if I this is the either, only season. I think either way, though. If it's the only season, it's 2019. If it's the first season of a legacy <laughs> of a filmed and Memphis Goes as long show. as Grey's Anatomy. Yes. 20 years. The if you want, yeah, Bluff City Law, we won't talk much about that because we – Broke down every episode. You can go to CerritoLive.com. There's actually a tab. You can click on Bluff City Law Reviews, and we've got a review of every single episode. Where, yes. Uh, me, Holly, Greg, Akers, we talk about the uh, every episode, uh, our favorite parts of them and the show. So if you want more about Bluff City Law, you can catch that there. The other thing I think would maybe be game day. Uh, this yeah. is, of course, we're on a sports station, but game day was such a historic moment that will not – uh, happen many more times, right. if any, in all of our lifetimes. I agree. And I was going to say, I know we're on a sports station, and I know that I typically bring the non-sports content, <laughs> but I think that sports may be the thing sports. we remember from 2019, whether it's our basketball recruit, recruit, bleh, recruiting classes, our Grizzlies draft, our game day, historic football season for University of Memphis. It might be sports. Even we got the number two pick in the NBA draft, yes. John Moran, who's looking like he could be uh, the rookie of the year. That so. feels like it was seven years ago, <laughs> but it was just this summer. It was. All right, let's go. Let's go back uh, and look back at the year of other moments. Go back. I think those are the big ones. Let's see if we can think of something else that might uh, be as big as those. Okay. Um, some of these things on this list I'm going to mention quickly because they're big deals, and some of them are going to break down. But I think right. one thing to mention quick, quickly is the – Convention Center downtown is now called the Renaissance Convention Center. Broke ground. It's going to be completely remodeled. I don't think people in general are going to really care about this very much until it is finished Mm -hmm. next year. And you get to see this new incredible convention center. I've seen the rendering. It's going to blow your mind. Um, But that is happening, has been happening all year starting in January. The next big things that happen are sports. Um, We had the start and the abrupt end of the Memphis Express AAF. What happened to Cook real quick? Who was Cook and what? What happened to Cook from the convention center? I don't know. Is what he happened upset? To, I don't think he's upset. I don't know if it's a he. Or I don't <laughs> think they care. But Renaissance uh, Financial Bank Group I was, is is the sponsor. I was hoping. Sponsor. I was hoping for Cook's Pest Control to take over, so it'd be the Cook's Pest Control Convention Center. That would be interesting. <laughs> uh, well, you know they have all kind of weird names for stadiums now. Um, that have sponsors and, and bowl can, games, especially. You need to look at the list of bowl games. My God, it's they are, they weird. are something. But, uh, but that that's a good point. There's there's lot, been lots of construction starting. Usually, there's some big opening, whether it's recently like Sears Crosstown or, or the Bass Pro Pyramid. Right. We really didn't have that this year, um, but uh, we will next year because the convention center is going to be opening. Yes, the convention among centers. other things. Possibly. Yes, among. Many other back, things. Back to your calendar. So, okay. Oh, oh my goodness. February. I forgot about this. I know. I kind of forgot that the Express happened. The Memphis Express. This was maybe something we'll remember. It was a big sports year. Johnny Manziel played football in Memphis. For like 12 hours. It was hanging out with Chandler Parsons. Oh, my goodness. That was, that was this year. That was this year. That was the thing that happened. First of all, you have to come to terms <laughs> that it actually happened. Really, oh, wow. And then it was not a dream. All right. Wow. All right. Yes. And then, that, is, that was big. Yeah. Another one more sports thing. Our Memphis 901 FC soccer team had their first season and they sold out a bunch of games and it was highly successful from that perspective. Maybe uh, next year I'll go to my first game. Oh, Kevin, you got to go. Um, I know I do. It's great. And then at, at the end of this season, Tim Howard is just arguably the most famous soccer player from the United States um, who has this tie to Memphis. It announced that he's going to be the GM or the owner or so, he's something. Gonna be, he's going to be heavily involved in our very own 901 FC team. Very cool. So that's something to look forward to next year. Uh, let's keep moving. Let's keep moving on, the, okay. moving on the calendar. One thing that I really appreciated, and we're fast-forwarding a little bit getting into spring, is on April 1st, Memphis Made announced that they have a new beer called Fireside Arita. <laughs> Again, April 1st. 
And they went into great detail about how this Fireside Arita, Margarita, inspired along with their staple beer, Fireside. Um, and I think the Daily Memphian actually published that for a few minutes. Oh, wow. Um, so it was a press release that came through Memphis May announced there. It was a fake beer. A fake beer because it's Fireside, a very dark beer. Uh, it's an amber. Not that dark, but it is an amber uh, making it into a margarita. Uh, I love the name. Uh, the art looked good, too. They actually had. I just love that. I feel like for years we haven't really fully taken advantage of April Fool's Day. You think there should be Memphis. more? And I actually took advantage of it this year with a fake blog post, which I have never done before. What was your fake post? Um, I announced like multiple um, new burger restaurants opening in oh. town. <laughs> and they're all That's ridiculous. Um, but yeah, I, I love the good. new April Fool's enthusiasm. And let's see what we can come up with okay. next year. Uh, Mud Island River Park did some facelifting, some renovations. They introduced some new programming. They have like live music on the weekends when the weather is nice. The River Garden at Mississippi uh, River Park down there um, opened last fall, but they started a bunch of new programming. They have all these cool like DJ nights where you go kayaking, and then one of the kayaks has a DJ on it, and they what? have fireside, uh, fire not fireside, fire pits. Um, fireside Aritas. Fireside <laughs> Um, they have coffee. They do have beer down there. So there's a lot going on with Mud Island and the River Garden, and I'll be excited to see those things continue next year. Now, May was a huge month for Memphis, as oh, yeah. always. That was the month I teased Steve Cohen. Of course, he ate, our congressman ate Kentucky Fried Chicken um, up on the hill there in Washington, D.C. Yep. Uh, went viral. Uh Gotta love Cohen's antics. And Bill Street Music Fest. This was something that we're looking at the year, and you put a mark on it. I'm talking about the Old Town Road of this year. But the idea that Miley Cyrus came in for a moment at Bill Street Music Festival and sang Walking in Memphis, it, it is an iconic moment. It became a fa part of uh, Facebook promotion. The Facebook commercial is something you could remember from this yes. year. The Facebook commercial uh, featuring Memphis was always the coolest when you were out of town and you saw it on, on television. But... That Bill Street Music Fest, I mean, that's something like every year now the lineup has got to, I know, it's to live up to those expectations. Yeah, and it was the Bicentennial in May. It was the Bicentennial. The they city. had the Bicentennial Celebration. Former producer on this show, C.J. Hurt, jumping in with his his contributions on Twitter, uh, pointing that out. He made sure, I don't know if he's trolling me or if he's also as upset as I am, but the, the lack of, of drones, of the drone show, we still have not figured out why there were no drones uh, at the event, we were supposed to have drones. We, I could be talking about how we had drones today, but we uh, <laughs> were supposed to have Memphis's first, biggest, best ever drone show on the river. It did. It didn't happen, but they still celebrated uh, the bison. I'm disappointed. I'm sorry. I, I got. I know we're trying to be real positive here, but I was disappointed in the bicentennial celebration. I think there was something missing. It just didn't feel like we really had a party for the 200th year of Memphis. Yeah, we could have turned up. More, perhaps. And we did our think tank with, with Greg Akers, uh, which you listen to online, which was uh, just uh, – we came up with oodles of ideas. So and many I was just, ideas. And to the point that I got my expectations probably too high. We have to take a quick break, Holly. We are into May. We're going to hit the summer here and, and, and recap the rest of the year. We'll be back in about two minutes here. We're continuing to recap 2019 Hollywood Field here in studio. You're listening to Street Alive on Sports 56, 96.1 and 87.7 FM. The Tigers, the Grizzlies, the SEC. We are real sports talk. I love it. I love it. Sports 56 and 87.7 FM. Now, back to Cerrito Live on Sports 56 and 87.7 FM. We are recapping 2019. Holly Whitfield here in studio. We're into the summer now. I remember summertime. Uh, it was hot. It was hot. But people were cooling down in the Orpheum Theater, right? Yes. Uh, Hamilton came to the Orpheum in Memphis. I feel like with Hamilton, you either like really, really care about this or you really, really don't care about this. But for those of us, including myself, who do... Huge deal. It was a huge deal. It was a huge deal. It's the most popular musical ever of all time, whatever. And It's the cotton bowl of musicals. I mean, it was as, yeah. as big as you can get for the Orpheum yeah. for musicals. And we were waiting for it for a long time. And I was told um, by people at the Orpheum that 
every single seat of every single show sold out. Wow. And it was a long run here. Some of these shows are just coming in for like three or four days, maybe five days. This was here for like a week and a half. This, being Hamilton, was there for a week and a half. I got to see it. I'm so grateful. You had not seen it until you saw it? I had not seen it. I hadn't even heard hardly any of it. Oh, really? It like changed my life. I listened to the soundtrack for like four months straight afterwards. Oh, wow. Um, but See, the- I didn't get to go. My, mainly because my wife was pregnant at the time. Right. Real close to the baby coming. Yeah, you had to Those like- seats are not comfortable with the Orpheum. Say no. what you want about the Orpheum. It's not the new movie theater that also opened this year downtown. Yeah. The Malco movie theater downtown. The powerhouse. Recline. If the Hamilton was at the powerhouse, I would have gone. Uh, for sure. But I'm going to try to see it. I'm, you know it's going to come back around. It's going to come back around. That's that- the other good thing about this. It's been out long enough now that usually these really popular musicals like Wicked and Phantom of the Opera... They come back like every two or three years. So, all right, let's. Anyways, let's keep looking back here at at 2019. Hamilton was a a, a big deal. Right. Something else that was a huge deal (laughs) to Memphis um, that happened, I believe, like mid year is when people started talking about it. (laughs) There's no date on this. The Target at Colonial. The Target on Colonial remodeled. Was remodeled and everybody hates it. They the, took, like, I don't... It really is. That is the city's target, really, too. The one yes. on Colonial, that's the one that everybody goes to at some... Because you're either, like, if you're Midtown or Downtown, you, that's the closest target. If you're East Memphis, that's the target. And so, like, everybody's been to the target uh, on Colonial. And, you know, you know, True Memphian, that's how they tell you what it is. It's the target on, you know, the Colonial target, target on yeah. Colonial. Use Colonial as the They actually call direction. it the Central Target. Yeah, nobody calls it that, yeah. It's Target does. Target does. When you order, and they also them. completely change it. I liked it. I I don't know if I'm in the minority. I really like. I understand. I'm giving you a dirty look. I right understand now. the new look there. I know it's it's a controversial opinion. There's not enough room to push your buggy in between the aisles oh, and might, displays I tried that, yeah. in the ladies' I've only been once. Section. I've only been once, but I understand the, that remodel. Uh, so also that happened. We think around the summertime, which is when the Grizzlies drafted John Morant. We talked about it getting the number two pick, and he is balling right now for the Grizzlies. Yes. Also, sports-wise, there was a viral video moment with with the guy eating mayonnaise at the Redbirds game. You might have missed this if you were on vacation or something around uh, yeah. this time in the summer. But if you blinked, you might have missed guy. it. It was a mystery, and I think that's why it went so viral. But <laughs> yeah, basically, there was a gentleman who sat in the stands throughout an entire Redbirds game and ate a giant thing of what appeared to be mayonnaise. Um, so that right. happened. Uh, also the, in June, the wedding at Graceland. Was Hallmark that you, Gabe? Was it you? Wait, no, what? but do you guys buy that it was mayonnaise? You think no. it, you don't think it really was? That's I think it also, was like vanilla pudding. Like, yeah. yeah. We don't know if it was mayonnaise. Yeah, the, all switcheroo. There really should have been a, an investigation <laughs> done on that, and um, maybe maybe there will be. Maybe we can get uh, Congressman Cohen because he, he ate that was legitimately a bucket of Kentucky Fried Chicken, and we watched him eat that. Yeah. Should have been Gus's. That's a whole other story, but oh. that would have been a bag. Yes. Uh, let's see. Also in the summer, we had Wedding at Graceland, as you mentioned, uh, all part of the, the Graceland uh, Cinematic Universe, which we've talked about on this show. You can also find those reviews. If you click on the Bluff City Law Review tab at CerritoLive.com, you can go back and listen to hear what we have to say about all of those movies we just reviewed on uh, the uh, the uh, Christmas at Graceland 2 right. on the show uh, a couple of weeks ago. Hey, it was your birthday in the summertime. Yes, not my personal birthday, but the Isle of Memphis blog turned 10. An entire decade of five things to do this weekend in Memphis. An so, entire decade of delicious it changed the landscape of It changed the landscape of everybody tr- keeps trying to do their own little version of that list. Yeah, there's a lot of weekend guys <laughs> now, but you know what? There more wasn't the one merrier. before. There wasn't the more the merrier. I did troll on a couple of them and was like, the original, the right, well, the, that's uh, you know, many times imitated, never duplicated. But uh, yeah, we got to celebrate with a party at Rail Garden with hundreds of people. Y'all came. We all did a toast. I had to give a speech. It was painful, but I did mm. it. Um, we had Caitlin McGee from Bluff City Law as a special guest. Oh wow! Um, we had live music. We had a lot of fun um, when we were planning this party. The only thing that I said was that I wanted there to be puppies there, and there were puppies. We had a rescue group bring in puppies. <laughs> that was your only request. So, you, Rail Garden uh, is pet friendly, dog friendly. Yeah, exactly. And all four of the puppies got adopted at the oh, wow. 10th birthday party. Yes. Oh, what a what a moment! Yeah. So, at the twentieth, it'll be their ten year. Yeah, Hopefully the puppies are still. Yeah, we'll bring still them back be. if we can. But yeah, uh, that would be cool. 
It was a big, it was a big they, moment for me professionally, personally, and the blog, and a lot of people shared a lot of love. So um, that's something huge. That's cool. And then we hit the fall where we had the moments we've talked about: Bluff City Law debuts, yes. and the city is captivated. Really, every Monday night watching along together, uh, game day on Beale Street. Uh, yes, such a big moment for for football. Where really, this is the as big as it gets in the current situation is what we're experiencing right now for Memphis Tiger football. Like as long as things remain the way they are, this is as good as it gets if you're a Memphis Tiger fan. And what we also had the Poncho's cheese dip controversy, which we covered on this show. You can listen on those same yes, podcast on, on those tabs. We spent some time. I'm still outraged. Last night, my parents were over uh, for dinner to see the baby, and yeah. We uh, had opened up what is my last original Poncho's cheese dip there, and we shared it. That's what it is. It's family, you know, family gets to family gatherings. And no, this is the old one. I still have the oh, old oh, one. Oh, like oh. My, it was my last old one. I like shed oh. a tear as I was, as I was uh, opening it up. The you'll survive somehow. <laughs> Tigers won, of course, the championship game last Saturday. Put a, uh, a good exclamation point here on the uh, uh, end of the year. All right, so what else? Anything else did we miss? We went through the calendar. Uh, we've got like a, a minute left. I know we have some stuff open and close, as always. Too many new restaurants to name. However, we did have a bunch of new boutique hotels open downtown, which all have their own restaurants, including the Indigo Hotel, the Central Station Hotel, and the Arrive Hotel, and the Moxie Hotel just opened as well. So that's four new boutique hotels, each of which have some kind of local restaurant bar situation happening in them. And I think that is a big deal and will give so many more options for going out, nightlife, dinner, whatever. It's so many downtown. So many so many new hotels at they this all opened like in the And they're week. all like it's this hotel boom, especially in downtown. I'm reading yesterday there's even more gonna be opening next year. And of course the the I think that one in Overton Square may not open until twenty twenty one. Yeah, it's gonna be a while for that one. But we will be previewing 2020 uh, coming up here on the show in a couple of weeks. So be sure to tune in. I believe we're, the plan is we're going to do it the first Saturday of 2020. But Holly will be back, and we'll look forward uh, to the new year and what is to come in 2020 in Memphis. Uh, one thing, Holly, that is happening, within a 20-day span, we're going to have three of the biggest wrestling shows uh, you could possibly have in your city all within 20 days. So that's going to be pretty cool as we're starting the year from yeah. January 3rd to the 23rd. Uh, well, I'm personally very pumped. I know you're very pumped about that. I'm going to give a, <laughs> we're going to give away tickets to one of those shows Friday night SmackDown on Fox. We'll give those away coming up uh, during wrestling time when we come back. Holly, thanks for coming in studio. Happy holidays. Yeah. <laughs> and I will uh, see. Thank yeah, you. you'll be. You'll. Uh, I'll see you at our party tomorrow. Yeah, I'll be around. Thanks everybody for listening to us this year. Oh, yes. It's, it's been, been really so much fun. I really do appreciate it. It's not Thanksgiving, but thank you so much. As I, I say, thank you here uh, for coming in uh, most weeks. And it was fun watching Bluff City Law, talking about it with you every Saturday. If folks have not listened to those, CerritoLive.com. They're still fun because we also get into Poncho She's Dip. We also get into Hallmark Channel uh, stuff and, and in game day as well. Uh, it was a big fall. And Memphis was a good year. I, I, I like this year. The I'm year a fan. of. Uh, Old Town Road was a great soundtrack to go along with all these great moments. Right. <laughs> Old Town Road written partially by a Memphian. Well, there you go, right? Yeah. So we'll, we'll preview 2020 in a, in a couple of weeks, Holly. Thank you. When we come back, we'll talk wrestling on the radio. We'll talk about SmackDown uh, and more. Give those tickets away uh, when we come back. You are listening to Sarita Live here on Sports 56, 96.1 at 87.7 FM.